You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. Sure, that was fun. Uh, my name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. And uh, I've been thinking a little bit. I, uh, I was like looking around. We got a lot of kids in there. We got a lot of younger folks in the room. Um, and I just was thinking like when I was little, um, a year felt like a really long time right? Like, I remember having, like, a birthday, and then the next day being like, it is going to be forever until the next one. Or, like, thinking about growing up, and you're like, I just can't wait till I'm older, and then I'll be able to do this and this and this, but it feels like a million miles away. Or, like, vacation feels forever away. Or, like, car rides on vacation felt like forever. Those still actually do feel like forever, (laughs) just so you know. But, Point being, like, as you get older, I'm 31 now, and I'm noticing, like, a year doesn't last as long as it did. And I think that's the sort of mentality that drives us to do things like making New Year's resolutions. Here's what I mean by that. I think when we start to realize, wait a minute, the years don't last as long as they did, we start to reflect And we start going like, man, there's a lot of things I want to do. And I don't know how long I'm going to have to do all these things. So we start setting these little goals for ourselves. We start thinking, oh, man, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I mean, it makes sense, right? Like when we start looking at the chaos of life, when we start looking at like the things that really start to stack up and the things that we really prioritize, it's like what? Our our health, right? We start thinking like, man, I got to take care of myself. I got to go to the gym. I got to eat right. We start thinking about like money. Got to make sure that I'm fed, that my family's fed, that my kids have clothes on their back, right? Or that they got to go to school or that you need a house, you need a place to live, you need to pay the rent, you need to pay the mortgage, you need, you need money, you need a you know, car, whatever, like stuff costs money, right? We start thinking about all this stuff that needs done all the time, right? And so then we get to the new year and we're like, oh my gosh, I got to like make a list of priorities, Right? That's just like Stephanie was just talking about. And so we start to think about things like, I, for one, need to go to the gym. I need to, just a little bit. And um, so I don't know if you guys have done this at the New Year's resolution, but you're like, I'm going to go to the gym this year. And so you go to the gym like day one that you can go after the New Year. And what happens? You walk in and there is not an available treadmill in sight. They're gone. They're all used up. Every machine is used. Every bench is taken. There is nothing. You have to wait your turn on everything. And when you endure that for like two weeks, you walk in and you're like, oh, there's a few machines available. Weird. And so then the next day there's more machines and the next day there's more and the next day there's more and more because more and more people keep falling off, right? And why do they fall off? Because just because you at the start of the new year go, I'm going to prioritize going to the gym, that doesn't mean all the other stuff stops. Life keeps moving. Life keeps going. 
Kids still need fed. The lawn still needs mowed. You still have to show up to work to make money, to pay for things that need to be paid for. You still got to keep doing all the stuff of life. And that's the kind of mentality that can drive you insane if you're not really careful. You can spend all your time worrying about how everything's going to get done if you're not really careful. It's very easy to fall into that type of thinking where everything just becomes about how am I going to actually get all of this done, right? I feel like we've all dealt with that a little bit. Here's the thing. That is nothing new. That mentality has been embedded in humanity since forever, right? I mean, it has been in us forever. And Jesus realizes that. And that's why he talks very specifically about this concept, about priorities. I want to read that. If we jump over to uh, Matthew 6, 25 through 33, this is what it says. It says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. First of all, don't worry about what what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about your body. Don't worry that you got enough. That throws like half of our New Year's resolutions out the window, like immediately, right? But what does that mean? Like, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You got to be careful here. This is one of those like prosperity gospel verses that can get thrown out of hand way fast, you know, and then it turns into you're going to have everything you want. No, it doesn't say that. It says you'll have everything you need. God will provide for you what you need. So don't worry about that. Seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. What does that mean? What does that look like? Better yet, is that even possible? Is it possible to just not worry about that stuff? Isn't that irresponsible? Isn't that bad? Like, what do we do with that? Who could do that? Well, I thought about that, and I scoured over the internet trying to find a story that I think captures this good enough. And I found a guy, a very interesting guy. Um, He's long dead, but I 
think he embodies this concept, and I want to talk about him a little bit. Um, there was a man named George Mueller, and he was born in 1805 in Prussia, in Europe. Think like modern Germany kind of area, right? And uh, later he ends up moving over to Britain. He lives in Britain for the better part of his life, and that's where a lot of his ministry actually takes place. But I want to start at the beginning. When you, when you look at George Mueller's life, George Mueller has a story like many Christians uh, where he isn't so great in the beginning. Uh, in fact, he's kind of terrible. He's a gambler. He's a uh, chain-smoking drunk thief in his teen years. To the point that while his mother is laying, dying on her deathbed, Mueller is out partying, getting drunk with his friends. That's how he spends that whole time. Now, luckily, George's dad wanted more for him. He wanted a good life for his son, and he wanted him to be able to make some decent money to take care of himself. And so he actually sent his son to a college where he could learn uh, to be a, a, a clergyman. He wanted him to be able to have a job. And so he sent him off to a, a Christian college, and he gets to college, and he meets some new friends. He makes these Christian friends, and they start inviting him to their Bible studies, and George actually takes to it. He starts reading his Bible. He starts praying, and he comes to realize that this is the truth, and he learns to love God. And so he determines that he's going to give his life to Jesus, and he's going to become a missionary, and he's going to go out, and he's going to help people. And so when he gets out of college, he goes out into the field, and he's got it in his mind. He's going to go help bring Jews to Christ. But when he goes out to do this, he falls incredibly sick. He gets so, so sick, and he starts praying to God, and he's like, please just see me through this, and I will give my whole life to you. I will give you my life if you just see me through this, and God does, and George gives his life to God entirely. It's kind of interesting the way things unfold for me. He goes, and he, he goes to Britain. He becomes a, a pastor, okay? But when he gets there, you see his dad's plans kind of fall apart because George refuses to accept the salary because he believes that God will provide for him. In fact, he's so against using money or worrying about money, I should say, that he actually says, hey, we're going to stop renting our pews because that's just giving money to the wealthy and we don't need to do that. God will provide. This is just his mentality about everything, okay? He goes on. And he starts an institute called Scripture Knowledge Institution for Home and Abroad. It's a really catchy title. He was really thinking that one out. Um, but, but it's amazing what he does through this place, through this organization. The whole point of it being set up is that he's going to go and he's going to help missionaries and he's going to help Christian schools, and he's going to provide for them financially, and he is going to provide holy texts, the Bible, other religious texts for them. That's what he wants to do, right? Except, wait, still not taking a salary. Won't take money from the government. He runs the whole concept on what is given to him, what is donated to him. That is all he will accept. And over the course of his lifetime, he gives away $2.7 million to schools and missionaries. And that's then. I don't even know what that turns into now. I mean, this is the 1800s, guys. That's so much money now. And he gives almost 2 million Bibles and other religious texts away over his lifetime. That's amazing, right? 
guess what? There's more. So this guy determines halfway through his life, hey, I really want to help those who have been orphaned. And so he and his wife go and they take 30 orphaned girls into their home. Because they don't have a building, they don't have an orphanage. So they're just like, well, we'll just use our house. So they use their house. Still no, no money coming in other than what's donated. And they start taking care of these girls, right? But then he's like, you know, I, I, think, I think we need to help more people. Let's, let's build a building that we can dedicate as an orphanage. And so he builds another small building, right? And then he builds another building. And then he builds another building. So they got four buildings now. They got four buildings and they're helping all these kids. They've got a, a total of 130 kids that they're helping at this point, still operating solely on what is given to them. No salary, no government funding, no nothing, just trusting that God will provide. And they're helping 130 kids. So one day he's like, you know what? Let's build another building. It's 1849 at this point. He's like, I want to build a bigger building. Let's build a bigger building so we can help more kids. This new building he builds holds 300 orphans now. So he's not, now he's got this 300 plus the other kids, right? And between 1849 and 1870, over 2,000 orphans are helped by George Mueller and his wife, who don't have income, they only take what God provides for them. Now here's the deal. All these kids are super well taken care of. They're given nice clothes. Every one of them is given a Bible. And they receive an education that was unheard of for most children of this time. Yet he's providing this for these kids because he wants to really bless them. In fact, it kind of, other people kind of thought it was crazy how much he invested in these kids. But it wasn't always easy. See, there's, there were times when they didn't know what was going to happen. There, there were days when they would wake up and there wasn't food, right? There's a really famous story when you start looking up George Mueller that, that pops up all over the place. And the story goes like this. One day, the house mother for the orphanage comes and she finds George and she's like, George, we got 300 kids and we don't have food for the day. And George looks at her and he says, calm down. Go get all the kids dressed and, and have them sit down for dinner. And she gets the kids and she dresses them and they're ready for their day. It's the morning. They're going to start their studies. They need food in their bellies. And so they go and they sit down at the table. And George walks in and they all sit down at the table. And George prays to God. And here's what he says. He says, Lord, thank you for providing. And not minutes later, he gets a knock on the door. And he opens the door, and it's the town baker. And the baker says, George, I don't know what happened last night, but I couldn't sleep. He said, I felt like you guys weren't going to have enough food for the day. And he said, so I, I got up early, and I went, and I started baking bread. And I've got this bread. Do the kids need food? And he says, yeah, and they bring the food in. And it's a few minutes later, and he gets another knock on the door, and the milkman's cart is broken down in front of the house. And he walks up, and he says, George, he said, this is going to take me forever to get this wheel fixed. He said, this milk is going to go bad. Do the kids want the milk for the day? He says, absolutely. And they bring the milk in, and they feed the 300 kids, all because a man prayed the prayer, Lord, thank you for providing. 
He knew they would be provided for. He knew it. He didn't pray, Lord, please, maybe, kind of, sort of, if it's in your will, maybe. It, you know, it's, God, I know you're looking after us. Thank you. And God looked after them. It was that simple. And here's the weird thing about that occurrence. That's not a one-time story. The reason his story kind of ebbs and flows and you hear little new additions to it is because it happened time and time again with his orphanage. This man helped so many people. Over the course of his ministry, when we look at all that he did, we see that 23,000 children had been educated in the schools and that thousands had been educated in other places that George paid for. 64,000 Bibles were given away, 85,000 Testaments, and 29 million religious books had been made and given away through his orphanages, all on what God provided. Here's the thing. When I read this, when I read Matthew 6, and I kind of just was sitting around thinking on it, the first thing that came to mind for me was, was uh, the story of Lazarus. I don't know if you guys remember exactly what happens there, but I'll kind of recap. Jesus' friend Lazarus has died. This is a close friend of Jesus. This is someone he loves dearly. And it's been days. He's dead. He's dead, right? And so he shows up, and he is deeply disturbed. He's very saddened by this. And when he gets there... All of his friends, all these people he loved, Lazarus' relatives are just mourning and they're so broken and they're so sad. And Jesus shows up and he is deeply, deeply disturbed by this because he's looking at what death, what sin has done to his friends, to these people that he loves. And Jesus breaks down weeping, right? He starts crying openly. But then he collects himself and he stands up and here's what he says. He says, Father, Thank you for hearing me. And he says, I'm only saying this out loud because I want everyone else here to know that you hear me. And then he stands up and he says, Lazarus, come out of your tomb. And a dead man raises from the dead and walks out of that tomb. Jesus' prayer wasn't, Father, maybe kind of, sort of, I'm hopeful. It was, I know you hear me, God, and I know you know. I know your heart. I know what you want to do right now, Lord. Here's, here's what I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not saying, Jesus, that God is our genie and we get to be like, God, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for blessing me with this Ferrari and this two and a half million dollar home and this awesome field out back and all these cool toys. And, and then you open your eyes and then it's all there. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Trust that you are provided for. Trust that God sees what needs done for you. He sees you. He knows your needs. He knows what is best for you. And he is going to do that. And your prayer needs to be, Lord, thank you. Thank you for providing for me in all the ways that you have and all the ways I know you will, Lord. And to just trust that he is going to do what you need. That is what we're called to do. Why do I bring all this up? Because it's the new year. And we're trying to prioritize. We're trying to get our ducks in a row for the new year. We're trying to make sure that 
I'm in tip-top shape, that I'm doing everything I need to do, that I've got enough money, that I've got all the things that I need. And that's not what Jesus tells us we need to worry about. Jesus says, don't even sweat that stuff. That stuff is already taken care of. Here's what you need to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You do that, all that other stuff's okay. All that other stuff's coming your way. You're good. Don't worry. You're provided for. Focus on this. His kingdom, his righteousness. What does that look like? Looks like George Mueller. Looks like Christ. Looks like all the great people throughout the history of this church that we get to talk about all the time. And what did they do? They, they did what Jesus said to do. It boils down to two simple things. Love God above all else with all your heart, mind, body, strength, everything in you. Give it to him. Love him. Love him above all else. What does loving him look like? That's the second part. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. We hear that. We say it. We say we believe it, but do we think about what that means? Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Do you know how much time I spend thinking about me? A lot. And you do too. Because we're wired for it. We're sinful, broken people in a lot of ways. Yes, we're saved by the blood of Christ. Yes, we've been made new creations. But there are still remnants of that old self that keep coming back. And it's all me focused. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. As much time as you spend on you, spend that much time on everybody else. Doesn't say you have to care about yourself so much less. Just love them as much as you love yourself. And you love yourself an awful lot. Do we do that? The reason I bring this up is because I'm sure a lot of you have already set those, those priorities for this new year those goals for this new year, your new year's resolution, right? I guess this is my last ditch effort to say, maybe we got to rethink those. Maybe we got to rethink what that looks like. Maybe the top priority needs to be his kingdom and his righteousness, loving him and loving our neighbor. Maybe that needs to come first. And maybe, maybe we need to realize that some of those things that we worry about so much, you know, all that stuff that we hope happens, all that stuff that's provided for, well, one, if we need it, he's going to give it to us. And two, if we don't get it, maybe we didn't need it. But we got to trust him in it. That's what I want to call you to think about today. How can you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Because if you do that, everything else will be fine. It's just going to be fine. That's it. So then you and me get to spend all of our time loving Jesus and loving each other. Doesn't that sound nice? Sounds pretty chill. I like it. Easier said than done, though. So let's make that happen, guys. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much um, for your son, Jesus, and all that he's done for us. I thank you so much for his words in the Sermon on the Mount to help us to stop and reflect and to, to put you first over ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would put it on our hearts right now that we can think deeply about what it is you're calling us to and that you would just make it ever so clear what each one of us needs to do today. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look different for all of us, but Lord, let us just 
reach deep within ourselves and look at what we need to do to, to seek you and your righteousness first. Maybe what we need to lay aside and stop thinking about so much. I pray that you would show us how we move forward and that, what that looks like, what that tangibly actually looks like in our lives, Lord. Help us to see what, what we actually need to do, not just an idea, but like what this is really going to look like for me to do that. Let me see the reality of that. Let each one of us see the reality of that. And Lord, please make it clear to us who we have around us, um, who can hold us accountable in this, that we can talk to about this. Lord, there are no lone wolf Christians. We know that you've called us to, to love one another and to walk this life together. And so please help us to, to speak with one another and lay our burdens on one another. It's so much easier to carry these, these burdens when we have good people around us to help us. Help us to see what we need to do, how we're going to do it, and who's going to hold us accountable to that, Lord. Thank you so much for today. I pray for a, a blessed new year for each one of us. Lord, I pray that we can all go out and share the gospel this coming year and see that loving our neighbors means telling them about you and your love and your truth. And I pray that you equip us to do that, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.